Glad that you're here. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to study His Word. I've been excited about this chapter for a long time. So you can turn your Bibles to uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Yes. Hebrews chapter 11. Okay, so we're going, to, we're going to start on this. And as we've been saying, it's been wonderful. The whole, the whole study has been very uh, encouraging to me. It's been very helpful to me personally to study this book again and again. And the first ten chapters, actually the first nine and a half chapters, basically was dealing with um, doctrinal things about the, how Jesus is better and comparing the Old Covenant and the New Covenant and everything that went with it. But from here on out, from actually the uh, chapter 10, verse 24, through the end of this epistle, it's going to be more of an exhortation, warnings against not falling away and not departing from the faith, and exhortations just to continue on in Jesus. And so we need that. Amen? We need exhortations sometimes. We need the Lord uh, to encourage us. And like David, we need to encourage ourselves in the Lord. When we are down, there's nothing else that's going to lift us up. Nothing permanent. We're not, I'm not talking about taking some drugs or alcohol or your team winning the Super Bowl. I'm talking about a true encouragement in our heart of hearts. It's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we meet often, and the Bible says at the end of last uh, chapter, 20, chapter 10, 24 and 25, all the more as you see the day approaching, right? That we're gathering together. And so I just want to encourage you, don't let obstacles keep you from coming. Not that I, in one sense that we care how many people are here, but we do care because we care about the people. We, we need to, to encourage each other in the Lord, to provoke one another unto love and good works. And we can't let anything stop us from doing that. Because you know it's going to be trying to pull us away. The busyness of life. Typically it's not just the gross sin and immorality. It could be that. But typically for believers such as yourselves and such as we are, it's going to be the busyness of life and the cares of life that will start to eat away. Just start to nibble away, I guess, at our faith and at our, and at our fellowship one with another. And so let's read the last two verses of chapter 10, and then we're going to move on and read the first three verses of chapter 11. So just read this with me. Chapter 10, verses 38 and 39. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, that's that falling away, departing from the faith. If any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back under perdition but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. And that's a perfect entrance to this next chapter. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And so this is a very... Every uh, verse in this chapter is going to be very familiar. Okay? That's alright. It's a wonderful chapter. It's familiar to me too, but it's still wonderful. And it's exciting to read it and to study it. And uh, I got this quote from a commentary I was reading. It says, Faith is confidence in the trustworthiness of God. Okay? Faith is confidence in the trustworthiness of God. And so, our faith has an object to it. I know we say that all the time. In that Foundations book, there was a chapter on faith. I think Alberto taught that. And it, it, had, it talks about the fact that we have an object of our faith. 
And I know I say that a lot, but it's important to say that a lot because I don't think a lot of people truly understand biblical faith. They use the term faith, but it may be applied to something other than the God of this Bible the way that, that it is to be. Okay? And when I say that, to, to just believe something, any old thing, no matter how earnestly you and I believe it, if it's not the Lord that we're putting our confidence in, then we've misplaced our faith. You might stir yourself up. You might believe something enough to jump off of a, a bridge and think you're going to be okay. You might uh, believe something enough like, what was that uh, 20 years ago or more? Remember that Heaven's Gate thing where that, that cult and they all went to, they all took some poison and they thought they were the spaceship was passing by and going to pick them all up. And we, we laugh at that, but I forgot how many people died because they thought a spaceship was going to come by and get their bodies and take them away. Do you think they really believed it? I would say they did. I think they really believed that was going to happen. And that's why they took their own lives because they thought, hey, we're going to be transformed and we're going to be these super beings or whatever we're going to be. They're going to go live with, we're going to go live with them at a certain time. They were deceived. It was demonic. It's not of the Lord. And I know that's an extreme example but our, our faith has to be in the Lord. And all those songs we sung tonight, my hope is in the Lord. I'm trusting in His Word, right? He never changes. He never fails. So let's look at that first verse. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. This is not a definition. If you look that up in your Greek or Hebrew concordance or even in a Webster's dictionary, you wouldn't get for a definition Hebrews 11.1. 1. Okay? Faith, if you looked it up in the concordance, would be a confidence, a trust, a belief. Okay? And that is the right definition of the word. Those are synonyms. Okay? Trust in the Lord. Belief in the Lord. Faith in the Lord. But what he's saying here, what the author is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying to the author, this is more of a description of faith. This is laying out a picture of faith. Not defining it, but of what is accomplished by faith. What can be uh, the results of faith? How faith works. And so it says the substance of things hoped for. That substance, that word, I'll just give you a few definitions because that's not words we use every day. Faith is the substance. It means the confidence, the groundwork, the support, the reality of it. Okay? Substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of things not seen. Evidence is what is like proof, Right? If, if anybody in here has bought a house or a piece of property or a car, or maybe you haven't got the, received the car, the vehicle yet, or you're not living in the house yet, <clears throat> but you've signed a legal document and a purchase agreement, dotted every I, crossed every T, and put the down payment down, and it's yours. Okay? You might not even live, might meet your buying a house in Texas and you haven't even seen it yet. But if you've done that, that piece of paper is like the proof. The evidence of things not seen. I haven't even seen it yet. But is it mine? Absolutely. It's mine. The law says it's mine. And, and so think about that when we're looking at this definition. The faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. And that's going to be a theme all through this chapter. <clears throat> and honestly, y'all, that's a theme all through the Bible. We ended the last chapter. We just read it. The just, now the just shall live by faith, right? And then he says faith is the substance of things Hope for the evidence of things not seen. The theme, one of the themes is going to be that you and I are trusting in and believing in and holding to and putting our whole eternal life and security in a God that we've never seen. And when I say never seen, I mean physically. 
we might have seen Him by faith and understood Him. But Jesus said, blessed are they who have not seen and yet believe. Right? After the resurrection, what did He tell Thomas? We, we pick on doubting Thomas. I can't say I would be any better than Thomas was, but the Lord is so kind. He rebuked him, but He didn't leave him in a state of unbelief. He came and showed Himself. Because Thomas missed Him that the first time He appeared to the other disciples. And and they told him about it later. You missed it, Thomas. Jesus was here. The resurrected Lord, Lord was here. We saw Him. We talked to Him. We touched Him. And Thomas says, unless I you know, see with my eyes and put my fingers in those nail prints in His hand, thrust my hand in His side, I'm not going to believe. And so the Lord comes back eight days later, I think it was, did the same thing, showed Himself, and He was specifically to Thomas. He rebuked him, yes, but did he leave him and just blast him and say, I'm done with you, Thomas? He took him and he says, see here, it's the nail prints. Touch him. Put your finger there. Here's, this, here's where the spear pierced my side. Put your hand in there. And be not faithless, but believing. You see what I'm saying? We have to trust in the Lord. And even in things we haven't seen, but it's always in the Lord. In the promises of God, in the Word of God, my faith and my confidence is based upon not a preacher, not a sermon. It's based upon the Lord. Okay? And he says, Blessed are they who have not seen, yet believed. And so this, this chapter is going to highlight some men and women of faith and, uh, and just show what can be produced by faith. Okay? One of the authors, George Mueller, uh, made the comment. He said, There are difficulties in faith, there are tests of our faith. But he said, difficulties are food for faith to feed on. So think about that. There are going to be difficulties just like Thomas had, right? He had a difficulty with his faith. The man with the demon-possessed son who came to Jesus' disciples, they couldn't help him. He came to Jesus, and the Lord says, do you believe I can do this? And he says, yes, but no. Yes, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's present. There's belief here, and there's unbelief present as well. Help me. And the Lord helps him, right? And so I think that's where we fit a lot of times. But the Lord doesn't want us to live a life being weak in the faith. He does want to strengthen our faith. It's a progression. He's moving us on. I don't think that there'll come a point until we see the Lord where, where we're perfected in our faith, where we never had to have a seed of doubt ever creep in. The Bible says faith will end in sight, right? And, and when we see Him face to face, but, but until then, we need our faith strengthened. And it comes by the Word of God. Where we're going to be studying God's Word tonight like we do every service. There's an object of our faith. I'll say it again. Jesus said, have faith in God. Very simple. He puts a period right there. Have faith in God. And Jesus told His disciples right before He was going to be crucified, and He was foretelling them about the rapture. And He says, uh, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in Me. Right? That there's an object of our faith. So I really want to stress that it's not this worldly, uh, new age kind of thing where, where people have faith and they do yoga and they believe this and they believe that and, and Satan will come right in and manifest something in their lives. It's not a joke. You know what I mean? Some things are a joke and they're just like a sham. But there are demonic spirits and if somebody opens themselves up to that and wants something like that or some experience bad enough, Satan will be happy to oblige them with an experience. That's not faith in God. 
Faith in God is going to be based entirely on the 66 books of this Bible, okay? From Genesis to Revelation. And so that's what we believe. It's practical. It it's, it's accomplishes something. It's not a leap in the dark either. The Lord's not just telling us with no basis at all to, to just trust Him. He does call us to trust Him in some things that are, are supernatural. He does call us to trust in Him in areas that are beyond us or beyond even human reasoning. But even that is based upon something. The character of God, the power of God, the reality of God, who He is, His character, His promises, His Word, the prophecies, they're all fulfilled. All the promises of God in Him are yes and amen unto the glory of God by us. So I'm not taking a leap in faith. Even if He's called me to do something I've never done before, and it for me is impossible and way beyond my abilities, and He's calling me to step out, that's not a leap of faith like a leap in the dark where I'm just blindly, like the guys that I talked about, waiting for the spaceship to come by. What was that based upon? It's not based upon any reality. It wasn't based upon the God of the Bible, the maker of heaven and earth. But our faith is based upon Jesus. It's, the conf- it's confidence in the Lord and what He says, and that He will perform what He says He'll perform. We don't have to worry, is the book of Revelation going to turn out like God says it is? You know what's going to happen? It's going to happen exactly like the Lord said. We've been talking about it a lot in the last several weeks, but the day of the Lord will come, right? The scoffers and mockers say, where's the promise of His coming? And we can cut through all that. So what does the Bible say? What say the Scriptures? The Scriptures say, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And He describes it. So we can be confident in that. Even if I'm not a Bible scholar and don't know everything perfectly, can't figure out how's it going to melt the earth with a fervent heat? How's that going to happen? What's it going to look like? How long will it take? And I start wondering all these different things. Nothing wrong with those questions. But when, it, when you finish with your questions, you just know the day of the Lord will come. Okay? And what am I supposed to do in the meantime? I'm supposed to look for His appearing. I'm supposed to live a holy and blameless life uh, without blemish until He comes again till the Lord returns, right? And be found watching and praying and occupying until He comes. And so again, it's not just a leap in the dark. It's a trust in the Lord. That, that the trying of our faith, because there are difficulties in our faith, as I said, may come through as pure gold, right? To the glory of God. The trying of our faith. Isn't it something that the Lord, who loves us and wants us to believe Him, He wants us to trust Him, and He's given us His Word, and He's answered prayers in our life, He still will test our faith because He wants to strengthen it. He wants to stretch us. He wants to grow us. And I'm not an expert, but I've done sports and coaching and read things and been around sports and things all my life. But like for somebody to to work out and let's say they haven't been doing much exercise and then they start. When they first start, it's painful. You know, it hurts. You're, you're using muscles you haven't used in a long time. And what's actually happening is the muscle is being torn, and but it tears, and then when it heals back up, it's basically expanding and getting bigger and stronger, if I'm, if I'm right about that. So there's got to be some pain, no pain, no gain. You hear it all the time in the gym. And so there has to be that. Well, the Lord, think about God who's a loving God, and He wants to grow our faith, and He knows how to do it. So He will stretch us. 
Maybe it's our finances. Maybe it's our friends forsaking us. Maybe it's something going on in our country. Maybe we have attacks from the devil all the time for a season. And, and we're, you know, we're, we're overcome with fear. Or different things like that. He's testing our faith. He has no... He doesn't tempt a man with sin, James says, nor neither is he tempted with sin. So it's not that he's trying to get you to sin. He's testing our faith so that we'll trust him in an area I've never stepped this far out. Remember, get out of the boat? Right? Y'all been singing it? Right? Get out of the boat. Uh, there, there comes a point we've not ever stepped here before. And so God wants to do that. So He's going to test our faith. It hurts. It's scary. We don't like it. That's why it's a test. Okay? But God's got us the whole time, right? He's under Him who's able to keep you from falling. He's got us the whole time. But we don't see Him. Maybe He's, maybe he's withdrawn Himself not from being our Savior and friend, but in, in, we can't discern His presence right now. And yet He's calling us to walk into some dark area. But He says, I'm with you. Just like we sang, fear not. If you walk through the fire, you won't be burned. Through the water, you won't be drowned. And so that's a test of our faith. God's ultimate end in that is to strengthen our faith that it may come back stronger for the glory of God. It's been tested. Our faith has been put through the ringer. It's been put through the fire. And what comes out? Maybe a lot of riffraff was burnt off. But our faith was strengthened. It was purified. And we come through. And our faith comes through stronger. And then He'll send us through another one. Okay? Until we get to heaven. It's alright. He's building us up. Because He's also preparing us for what lies ahead. There's going to be trials and tribulations in this world that we haven't faced yet. And our faith needs to be stronger and our Lord knows we're not prepared for it. It's like a soldier whose drill sergeant's preparing them for battle. And they hate their drill sergeant practically because of what they're making them do. And you're, in this cold weather, we're getting out there and we're doing this, that, and the other. And I wish I was sleeping. I wish the food was better. And we just finished running. You got us up running again. And now you're putting weight on our backs. He knows what's going on. He might just be a jerk, but probably he's trying to prepare, right, Buck? Probably he's trying to prepare better you. To prepare you because he knows maybe he's been in the battles and out, you know, on the war front, and he knows what it's like. And we think we know what it's like, but he knows what it's like. So we can trust the Lord, okay? And so let's keep reading. Uh, that, the verse 2, where it says, Through faith we understand, I'm sorry, for by it the elders obtained a good report. So now we see that faith obtains something. Faith is going to procure something. It's going to get something. There will be rewards for faith. And it's not that we're selfish and go, God, you got to give me this, 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 and this because I believe. He will give us this, this. You can just trust that He will. If He's promised heaven, then a believer is going to receive heaven, right? If He's promised eternal life, we're going to receive eternal life. If He's promised a glorified body that's like unto His glorious body, then it will be. You see what I'm saying? We're going. Faith is going to not miss out on that glorified body. We don't want to miss out on it. Faith is going to, no matter what the devil's attacking and coming against us, faith in God is going to hold on and believe what He says despite what's going on around us or even in my own mind. And I, faith is going to lay hold at some point when God's ready on that glorified body where this mortal is going to put on immortality. You understand what I'm saying? God is going to bring it about by it the elders. Well, he's going to start listing some of these elders, and I love it. I love these men and women of God 
I love the Lord. They were human beings like you and me. They have doubts and problems and weaknesses and failures and sins. Some very notable that the Bible highlights. But still, all in all, they hung on by faith. And by faith, these elders obtained. They had faith in God. They were promised something from the Lord. They hung in there. And the Lord helped them. And they ended up obtaining their promises. They obtained, even if they didn't receive all their earthly promises, all the promises while on this earth, okay, they did obtain, it says here, a good report. There's a good te- We speak highly of them. God speaks highly of them, more importantly. And, and we need to have a testimony of, of faith of what God has done. And so, um, we obtain things. It's the same for us. It's not just these, these men and women. And the Bible says that even, even righteousness is obtained by faith. That Abraham believed God. It was counted unto him for righteousness. How did Abraham receive true righteousness that God considers righteousness and actually provides for a man who's a sinner? How did he, get, how did he go from being unrighteous to righteous? It wasn't good works. The Bible tells us by faith. He believed God and God counted it to him for righteousness. So we see this all through the Bible. And this is the simple truths that are being taught here. And look at what it says. And this is just, we don't have to be experts on evolution. It's not bad to know about it, okay? To know and understand the theory of evolution. Also, we know it's not biblical, it's false. But to know it so that you can combat it in some way. But even if you didn't know it well at all, the theory of evolution, this is what we need to know. Through faith, we understand. We understand, not just the elders, that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So things which are seen, they're now seen, all of creation that we see, were not made of things which do appear. That's amazing, but it's very powerful. I love to be able to have a Scripture put on that. Now there are lots of other Scriptures that talk about the Lord being Creator. Okay, Lots and lots of them. But here's a wonderful Scripture. We understand it. Not only do we read it in the Bible, a lost man can read it and not believe it, and then they won't get it. But it says here, by faith, we understand. We perceive it is what it means. We comprehend it is what that means. By faith, we understand that God made the worlds and all of creation out of things, uh, out of what wasn't even in existence. If, if uh, Buck was going to build an engine you know, or let's say there were just the pieces all over the floor and he was going to start putting it together. He would take pieces and parts. He'd have to have them there. Even if he was going to fabricate some part, he'd have to have the raw materials to do it. The machine. You know what I'm saying? It's just, that's, that's life. But God didn't do that. God spoke. We understand by faith that the worlds were framed by what? The Word of God. So there were things that were not. They were not. And He said, let there be. And there was. That's an amazing thing. That's an amazing thing. Let there be. And there was. You've heard this, the phrase before, seeing is believing. But not, that's not really biblical in this context that we're talking about faith. The, the Bible would say believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. What did Jesus tell Mary and Martha after their brother was dead for four days? His body was decaying. He was behind that stone. He says, roll the stone away. He says, said I not unto you that if you would only believe, what came first? If you would only believe, then you would see. 
the glory of God. It's not seeing as believing. It's believing in God and what He's promised. And then believing that, then you're going to see. Didn't I tell you, Mary and Martha, if you'd only believe, you would see the glory of God? You're going to really get to see something here in just a moment. You're going to see your brother raised from the dead. Not only healed, you've already seen him heal people. You're going to see your brother whose body is beginning to rot. You're going to see him come forth. And I'm going to present him back to you alive. If you believe. Do you believe enough to obey? Do you believe enough to get some men to roll the stone away? They couldn't figure it all out. But they believed enough. But we know they did because they rolled the stone away. Or got some, some help in rolling the stone away. Then the Lord worked. If you believe, you see. It's not seeing as believing. And so, the, all these things were made by what by things that didn't appear. Nobody else could do that. Nobody else could do that. There are things when you look around and see light and darkness and you see plants growing up out of the ground and then fruit and they get really big and all this kind of stuff or an earthquake or a lightning bolt. If we didn't have God in His creation to look at, those things wouldn't even be in our imaginations. You understand what I'm saying? God just spoke them. Let there be. Now we get to enjoy it. You know, and be part of it all. But the Lord just spoke it. I love this quote from Tori. I read it in a book of his a few years ago and uh, D actually printed it out for me and put it in a little, uh, like a little picture frame and I had it on my desk uh, in my office. I used to, but it says, this is what he says, to believe God, and just listen to this, to believe God is to rely upon or have unhesitating assurance of the truth of God's testimony, even though it is unsupported by any other evidence. And to rely upon and have unfaltering assurance of the fulfillment of His promises, even though everything seems against their fulfillment. That's a good description of faith. That's a lot like Hebrews 11.1. 1. Okay? What is He saying? There's the faith and there's the sight. And I'm going to trust in one or the other. I'm going to go through life believing what I see and say, no, it doesn't look like doesn't look like Jesus is coming back again. Looks like the world's going to hell. Looks like people things are just going haywire, and people are getting farther from God. Doesn't look like the Lord's ever going to reign and rule on this earth with a rod of iron and have a millennial reign. And and the lion and the lamb are going to lay down together. I just watched the nature shows. The lion was eating up the lamb, you know. And so it doesn't look like any of that's going to happen. That's my sight. But I, what does God's word say? It always has to come back to that. It always has to come back. So it's not by sight. It's not by our physical sight. And we're going to read testimony after testimony after testimony in Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to take our time and go through. We might spend a little more time on one than the other. But they're all so wonderful uh, that I just don't want to rush through it. But that's a great... uh, I've got it printed out. If anybody would actually like that and you want to put a little frame in your house... We can make some copies of that because I, I love that quote. Well, let's keep going. Um, verse 4. Now, here's the first man we're going to look at. It's interesting that it skips over Adam and Eve. You know, they sinned, and I honestly don't know if they were made right with the Lord, you know, and so forth, but we, we do know what the Bible says about Abel. Okay? And... It says, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. Now it's interesting, the first one he mentions of all these people in this, you know, men and women of faith, is Abel who offered a more excellent sacrifice. Haven't we been talking about 
Jesus being a more excellent sacrifice, a better sacrifice, an eternal sacrifice, a permanent sacrifice, and so forth. And, and it just, I just think it's interesting. It starts with him. By faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he, Abel, obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. It wasn't the man was perfect. He's saying he brought a better sacrifice. He brought the proper sacrifice. And what did he do? It says by faith he offered his. We don't read that Cain offered his by faith. Cain may have offered his by compulsion because he felt compelled to do it. He might have offered his as a, a, maybe a sense of duty. Maybe a sense, I don't know, I can't judge it. A sense of responsibility to get God off my back and give Him something. Okay? Um, but the Bible says, by faith Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice. And by it, God testifies of His gifts. God calls Him righteous. And uh, in Matthew chapter 23, Jesus says righteous Abel. He calls Him righteous. Okay? Even though we don't know a whole lot about the man, what we do know about him, just like Enoch we're going to read about in a little bit, we don't know a whole lot about him, what we do know is awesome. You know, that would be enough for me. If God's still, still speaking of me or you or somebody else, he's a righteous man in my sight. He offered by faith and so forth. And this is what God, it says God's bearing him witness. God testifying of his gifts and by it he being dead yet speaketh. How does he still speak? He's still speaking today. He brought a blood sacrifice, first of all, which is what God required. From when Adam and Eve sinned, animals were killed, blood had to be shed, and there was no death before sin. Sin came into the world by death. By one man's sin, death entered in and passed upon all men. Okay? And so death, even on animals, you know, death upon animals, God took animal skins and clothed them, Adam and Eve, because they were ashamed of their nakedness, to cover them. And Abel made this blood sacrifice. I want us to read it, so keep your spot marked there. And turn back to Genesis uh, chapter 4, and I want to read 3 through 7. Genesis 4, 3 through 7. This is after Adam and Eve had sinned and so forth. They were dispelled you know, from the garden. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. It's just sort of a benign statement there. It's not being, you know, if you didn't know what was going on, you wouldn't see any problem with it. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. This is a second chance for Cain. This is a time where, okay, Abel did what was right. Maybe it was just in his heart, and he knew what God required. Maybe the Lord told him both what He required. Either way, God's not going to be unfair. Abel did what was right. God did not have respect to Cain in his offering, but that is not the end of the story. He comes back to Cain and he talks to him and he gives him, if you do, future tense, if you do what's right, won't you be accepted like your brother? 
So there's where you can rebel and kick against God, or you can humble yourself before the Lord and say, you're right, God. His offering was a more excellent offering. Thank you for giving me another chance. I'm going to offer what's pleasing to you. I'm not going to offer what's convenient because I'm a farmer and i got some crops, so I'll give them to you. I'm not going to offer what seems right to me. It's a beautiful looking bunch of fruit or whatever it is. I'm going to offer what you require because I'm a sinner. And I'm a sinful man. And you require blood. I believe the Lord communicated this to them somehow to our able knew what to offer. And Cain, even if he didn't know before, he knew by this time. Because, because he says, if you do what's right, won't you be accepted? Okay? And so, there we see that that testimony, that God's still speaking, and that testimony is still speaking today. How do I know it? Because on whatever, November 1st, 2017, we're still talking about it. It's still speaking. It's speaking through our hearts. There's a spiritual truth there. By faith, this man we never knew, we'll see him in heaven. We'll get to know Abel one day in heaven. But that testimony of what he offered is still speaking to lives today and to our hearts today. And so is Cain's sin, by the way. But we don't speak of him in the same way we do Abel. All right? And so uh, let's keep going in verse 5. So you turn back to Hebrews 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated. Aren't these things exciting? I hope it's not just boring to you and not just uh, like a fairy tale like we're reading Jack and the Beanstalk or something. We read about Abel and his brother murdered him. I mean, that really <coughs> happened. But yet God justified it. We're still talking about Abel today and his gifts and his sacrifices that were righteous, that were offered by faith. By faith, Enoch was translated. How was Enoch translated? We said that by, by faith the elders obtained a good report. Everything they got was by faith. They got something from God. Abel got a good testimony. Abel was called righteous by God. Enoch, what did he get? By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not uh, see death and was not found. They might have gone out looking for Enoch. Where is old e Uncle Enoch? We can't find him. Okay? And it was not found because God had translated him for before his translation, he had this testimony. He got his testimony by faith as well. That he pleased God. Can you think of a better testimony in the whole planet than to say, what's Jenna's testimony? Well, Jenna lives a life that pleases God. Isn't that awesome? I mean, to, to think about it. Not that he did this, this, and this and went on these mission trips or built this church or did whatever. It really boils down to it. We have a testimony. We know God. We love God. Our life pleased the Lord. That was Enoch's testimony. That's what we know about. There's a few places in the Bible where he's spoken of. Okay, very, about two or three places. And where he's spoken of, there's that testimony of it. That he pleased God. And God took him. He was translated. Can you think of somebody else in the Bible that's translated like that? Elijah. The Bible says the Lord in his natural body, you know, God stooped down in a a fiery chariot picked him up and brought him off to heaven. That's why a lot of people, and I happen to agree with it, it's not something you get an argument over. I happen to agree that that's the two witnesses that will be in the book of Revelation that come back. If you believe something different, that's fine. It's not the kind of thing we, we get uh, break fellowship over. But both of these men were translated. And so it means to exchange, to transfer, to change sides. 
He walked for 300 years. If you read in his life story in Genesis chapter 5, he lived 300 years. He begat sons and daughters. But after 300 years, he's walking with the Lord. He's got a testimony that he pleases God. And he was taken by God. That's what God wanted to do for this man. It's an awesome thing. It's a wonderful thing. And so, uh, anyway, that's, that's, I can't think of a better testimony. And after he just said that, he had this testimony that he pleases God. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God. The Bible says, right, whatever is not of faith is sin. Whatever is not of faith is sin. God knows our hearts better than we do. He knows if, if it's not even something we're doing by faith in Him or not. But He wants us to know. Whatever, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he that comes to God, there's two things, must believe. Alright? We must believe that He is. And we must believe that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. There's two things in that verse we have to believe. To please God. Obviously, Enoch believed both of these because God testified he pleased the Lord. You must believe that he is. Well, Enoch walked with God. You couldn't tell him that God wasn't real. Okay? That, he, that God wasn't who he said he was and he wasn't real. He walked with him, he knew him. That couldn't be taken away from him. Okay? And he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So I think of this uh, plain and simply if, if you were out. Uh, looking, working real hard to, to find uh, gold, or you're out looking real hard to find deer, to, to go deer hunting, or whatever, you're, you're seeking diligently after that. The reward is going to be that. Right? If I was seeking really hard after a big elk in Wyoming, and all I got was a rabbit, a jackrabbit, you know, that I ran over on the road. I wouldn't feel like I got my reward from, from what I was going after. So the Bible says we have to believe He is. When Moses said, when I get back to the, the elders of Israel and say, God's come to deliver you from the bondage of Pharaoh in Egypt and from your slavery, and I'm here to deliver you. And they say, well, what's His name? Who's this God that sent you? What should I tell them? He says, you tell them I am. I am has sent you. I am that I am. He, he, we have to believe He is, first of all. And we have to believe He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So what is the reward? The, if I'm seeking God, my reward is going to be I found God. Okay? I found Him. He's not just a God afar off. He's my God. He's my friend. He's my Savior. He's my help in times of trouble. He's my rock. He's my peace. He's my joy. He's my healer. I found Him to be a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I was seeking after Him. I wanted to know Jesus as a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And guess what? I kept seeking Him and seeking Him and seeking Him and He rewarded me with letting me know Him in that way. He's a friend of mine. I'm not by myself. I have a friend who's with me. Jesus. I was seeking after this and I found so we have to believe that because that's how you're going to know God. That's how you're going to walk with God. That's how you're going to, like the elders, obtain something from God is by faith. We have to believe He is and He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And so y'all, I want to uh, 
I want to look just at a, a couple of verses and then, and then we're going to close this, okay? If we're going to please God, it has to be by faith. Faith apprehends everything from the Lord. It apprehends the understanding of who He is. It apprehends the reality of the Gospel so we can be born again and we give our lives to Jesus. It's going to apprehend heaven. And it's just essential to just shall live by faith. That's from Habakkuk 2.4. So where that verse is originally given in the Bible. And it's repeated in Romans and it's repeated here in Hebrews and maybe a few other places. But we're to live by faith in the Lord. So I want to look at, uh, at verse... I mean, 1 John, we'll just close with this. 1 John chapter 5. I know we didn't get far, but I believe we laid a good groundwork on this chapter. 1 John chapter 5. This is kind of going back to where we started, y'all. Faith is not some mystical woo-woo. The hand stares, stare, hair stands up on the back of your neck. And it's not like that. It's real. It's real. Faith is real. It has a basis to it. How do we know that God's even telling the truth? Well, He says by the fulfilled prophecies. We could do a study on that one time. That we, you know, He reveals Himself through creation and so forth. But He could, He separated Himself from all the idols that Israel was foolishly worshiping. He says uh, they can't speak. They can't hear. They can't taste. They can't talk. They can't deliver. They can't help. But he says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna call something. Basically, I'm gonna call it, and then I'm gonna watch over my word to perform it. That when it comes to pass, you'll know that I'm God and I'm not some stupid idol that you're worshiping. Who else could do that? Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, whose name shall be called Emmanuel." He's going to make his grave with the rich and the wicked. He's going to, you know, all these prophecies about Jesus, the town he would be born in. He's going to come riding on the colt into Jerusalem. You know, all these things that were spoken of him, I'll call him out of Egypt. He'll be called the Nazarene. How? You know, hundreds and hundreds of years before, because he's God. And he says it. And every single thing he said is going to come to pass. That's how. And he's not a dumb idol. He's not yoga, and he's not new age, and he's not a figment of my imagination. He's not a demonic power. He's God. And he's going to bring it to pass. And he wants us to trust him. That's why unbelief is such a sin. Who's going to go to hell? Who's going to be thrown in the lake of fire that's mentioned in Revelation 20, I think, or 21? The fearful and the unbelieving are the first ones that are mentioned. Not just the adulterers and the, the fornicators and the idolaters and the murderers. They are too but the fearful and the unbelieving. He has proved Himself and it ought to be enough for us. He knows what's enough. He has showed Himself faithful in your life. And I've doubted the Lord more times than I'm pleased to, to say, okay? Or wish to say. Even after He's shown Himself so faithful, I've doubted Him and He's helped me. Then I've doubted Him and He's helped me. But I don't want to live a life of doubt. I don't want to live a, I don't want to live a pattern of doubt. I want to live a life of trusting God. And I want to trust Him in areas where I used to doubt Him and I don't doubt Him anymore. I want to go on. You see? And that's where we're being built up. Let's just look at this verse. 1 John chapter 5, verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God has this witness in himself. Everything's about Jesus. Everything's about God. 
Everything's not about you picking what you want and believing that and then saying, God, come answer my prayer. I want this. God, come do it. I believe you to do it. It's hearing from God and stepping out on what He has promised. And that's where we can put our faith. Okay? He that believeth on the Son of God has this witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believed not the record that God gave of His Son. That's a pretty strong verse. The one that doesn't believe God, whether that's you and I, and I know you do believe God, or someone else or me, he that believeth not has made God a liar. Now, he hasn't literally made God a liar. Okay, He's the way, the truth, and the life. It's impossible for God to lie. In his own, that human being's own estimation of God, He's made him a liar. God is a liar, is what they're saying. He does not answer prayers. He does not do what this Word says. He's false. He's fake. He's weak. He can't do it. He's not the Creator. Evolution is true. This account of creation is not true. And on and on and on and on and on. It's not going to end up like He says. Heaven is a joke. Hell's a joke. All this kind of stuff. He that believes not God. Specifically, Jesus Christ being the Son of God. Because he that does believe has the witness in himself. Not only of Christ being Lord, but I believe the witness of His spoken Word. Jesus has spoken His Word and His written Word to us. And so, but he that believes not has made God out to be a liar. Can't trust Him. He's not honest. This is not true. It's not real. This is why without faith it's impossible to please Him. So we're going to close with that tonight. But Paul said at the end of the last chapter, we are not of those that shrink back under perdition. But we are of those that believe unto the saving of our souls. By it, the elders retained a good report. By who? By men? No, they obtained a good report from God. God said they're righteous. God said they're just. God said Enoch pleases me. We can join in and agree with Him on that. And hallelujah, godly men and women. But God's the one that spoke these things about their lives. And so, uh, we're going to close with that. I want you to stand. Just ask the Lord to strengthen your faith. I don't care who you are. I don't how, how long, care how long you've been saved or the great things you might have done for God. Our faith is under attack. It's under attack. There's not a bunch of solutions to it. There's really one. There's the Lord. I've got to come back to Jesus. I've got to come back to His promises. I can't run here and there and think my, strength, my faith is going to be strengthened. But the defense is His Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The disciples said, after they doubted the Lord on the sea when their boat was about to sink, and He calmed the sea, He said, Lord, uh, strengthen our faith. They went to Jesus. Their faith was weak. But they went to the right one for the answer. And that's what we're going to do tonight. I encourage you not to... You might have to do it again before you go to bed. There's times like that when Satan is really desired to have us like Peter and sift us as wheat, the Bible says. But Jesus said, I've prayed for you. I'm the answer to that. We need faith in God. Have faith in God, Jesus said. Make it simple. It's about you and it's about God and it's about the promises He's made. I don't see Him yet. Yet seeing not, haven't seen Him yet, we believe, the Bible says. Be not faithless, but believing, Thomas. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet believed. Said I not unto you, Mary and Martha, that if you'd only believe, you would see the glory of God. Lord, we want to believe. We want to believe, and then we'll see. 
we'll see you more clearly. We'll see your plan and purpose for this world and for our lives and for this church and for our family and how to minister to the lost and how you're going to work things out. We don't get it right now. We don't understand why is my life this way right now. I've never felt weaker. I've never felt more distant or vulnerable to the attacks of the devil than I feel right now. And yet, God, you're trying our faith and faith and testing our faith that when you're finished and when we come through, that our faith will come through as pure gold, tried in the furnace of affliction. And it all it will all be for your glory. I want a testimony, God, like Enoch. You don't have to write much more than that, Lord. But Lord, that we would have a testimony. Before he was translated, he had this testimony. He pleased God. Lord, I want a testimony like that. We all want that. I want that from our brothers and sisters here, from the youngest to the oldest. We could write it on their tombstones. They please God. Lord, would you help us, God? Would we be that we'd be a people of faith? We're not perfect. You're perfect, God, but we believe in a perfect God. We're going to trust you. No matter, even though it's contrary to human reasoning, even though it's contrary to physical sight, even though it's contrary to circumstances, we are going to believe God. We're going to believe Your promises. We're going to believe Your Word from Genesis to Revelation. Rightly divided. Love You, Lord. Help us tonight in Jesus' name. Thank You, Lord.